everyone. Thank you for tuning in to Unapologetically Different Podcast. This is Season 6, Episode 46. I'm your co-host, Key. And I'm your co-host, Coach P. And make sure you go check out our previous episode, Know Better, Do Better, where we discuss the Nike deal with Colin Kaepernick, backlash from the public, Kaepernick's collusion case against the NFL, the recap of Long Walk to Freedom by Nelson Mandela, and so much more. It was definitely a great episode, so go back and check that out if you haven't already. Facts. It was definitely a dope episode, so let us know what you think about it. You know, you can slide in our DMs, or you can shoot us an email as well. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. How you doing today, Key? I'm doing okay. Um, I went to a little party last night, so I'm a little out of it. I had, like, literally three to four hours of sleep, but I'm here ready to get our show started so please guys i'm trying to keep my energy up you know i just took a shot of espresso so i need to stay up for this episode oh cool <laughs> I, I definitely am in the same situation went out last night too i don't know it feels so good to be back home in brooklyn like i feel like my energy is just vibrating higher right now it feels good i hear you <laughs> that's what's up Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. all right guys as you know we have our book club we have another book that we added to the list title I'm Judging You by Luvi Ajayi. So we're going to be reading that book and then on our last episode of the season we're going to have a recap about the pros and cons about the book. So please follow us on social media as we'll be posting it on our social media site and then we'll let you know when we're going to be talking about it and hopefully some great points made throughout the books that resonate with you and where you're at in your life. Awesome. All right. I'm looking forward to reading it. Me too. She's great. So I definitely want to check it out. I heard it's a good read. I've heard a lot of great reviews about it. So I'm excited that we're adding this to our book list. Nice. I have no idea what it's about. So <laughs> it's going to be cool just to crack it open and just kind of go through it and see what happens. Facts. Um. So now we're going to get into it. So the U.S. Open Women's Final, Serena Williams played against Naomi Osaka. Naomi wrapped up 6-2, to 6-4 victory for her first Grand Slam title. This was her first tennis title at 20 years old. There was some controversy surrounding her win. So the Emperor was issuing Serena Williams penalties throughout the match. Some of the penalties were excessive. So as a result, the penalties cost Serena one game in her 6-2 to and 6-4 to loss to Naomi. She was penalized for receiving coaching on the sideline, but Serena was not even looking at her coach. Like, Mm. she wasn't even aware that her coach was doing um, any kind of hand gestures or signals for that matter. Um, Her coach did confirm that he attempted to coach Williams, but as I stated, she wasn't made aware of it. Also, other coaches do the same thing in matches, and he mentioned this when he conducted his interview with ESPN. So it's a bit odd that she was penalized for that. Her coach came out with his receipts. He stated that the umpire Ramos officiated Rafael Nadal's match and Rafael Nadal's uncle was coaching him the whole time on the sideline and the umpire never gave a warning. So Serena received another warning for smashing her racket and she was pretty riled up by the initial call about receiving the coaching and she wasn't actually made aware about the call for smashing her racket. So yeah, it was crazy. I didn't even know that was a thing, but it just kind of blew up in the news. So Yeah, for real. Um, So she approached the Empire and she stated, I have never cheated in my life. I have a daughter and I stand for what's right for her. I've never cheated and you owe me an apology. You will never do another one of my matches. And you stole a point from me. You're a thief. <laughs> she went ham, bruh. Um, as a result, Serena was fine. Let's add up these charges, though. So the tournament referee's office penalized Serena $10,000 for the verbal abuse of the chair umpire Ramos. Because she was receiving coaching from her coach that she wasn't even made aware of, that was $4,000. Uh. And then $3,000 for breaking her racket. So we're up to like 17000 she having fines. Yeah, that's that's a lot of money. I mean, it's for me and you, that's a lot of coin. True. That's a lot of coinage. But for Serena Williams, honey, that's a little penny drop. It's a light work. It's a little light work. <laughs> but like, I mean, I, I just did the new Nike campaign. I'm good. You heard? <laughs> <laughs> that's that's a drop in the hold that right there. That's my tip. But like, no, I mean, it really doesn't matter the financial aspect of the penalties it's more so like the penalties it's like really like you're penalizing me for my coach giving me signals that i was not made aware of so that's already a situation and then other coaches have done that prior too so why am i being penalized for it yeah and then on top of that um in terms of the way she talked to him considering that verbal abuse and that's minor compared to what other tennis players 
have said in the past. So that's kind of crazy. Yeah, so Serena conducted a press conference after the match, and she spoke about standing up for women's rights. She also spoke about not knowing if she could have come back and won because she has done so in the past. However, Naomi did play really well. You see, that's the thing, too, like with this win— I don't watch tennis. Mm -hmm. You don't watch tennis. No. But the thing was when... I played Mario Tennis back in the day that was lit. We got to bring it back to reality? Just a little bit? Sorry. Tad bit? Thanks. (laughs) Season. (laughs) But my thing was when Naomi won, it was like the conversation, I feel like, with social media, especially on Twitter and Instagram, it was like some people agreed that Naomi played really hard and she was deserving. Not saying that both women did not play well, but some people said that Naomi like literally outbeat Serena. She did a great job, whether the calls were made or not. But then other people were saying that, no, the calls were biased and they weren't appropriate anyway. And that's what caused Serena not to play as good for her to come back. Serena did discuss in a press conference, she was like, Naomi played really well. And I believe in the past, Serena has said that she had opportunities to come back if she was losing. And that probably would have been her technique for this game. But Mm -hmm. It's kind of hard to determine that because these calls were made and it threw her off. So for me, it was like, I'm not knocking Naomi. Very proud of this young woman. Beautiful young lady. She's very extremely talented. Like, she's 20 years old. She dedicated her life to this. But it's like, this is the way I view ball. Like, you know, we watch basketball, whatever. <laughs> Shout out to Henny Head, J.L. Smith. What's going on? <laughs> um, no, you're not tied. <laughs> um, but that's how I see ball. I'm trying to bring it back in the sense that if the other team, like in Naomi's case, the calls that were made was an advantage for her in a sense that it threw Serena off. And then also she was penalized for it, like in terms of her being verbal abusive when she wasn't. And then saying that she is cheating when she was not cheating at all, like accusing you of cheating when you're not even doing that. Imagine somebody accusing you of doing that while you playing the game. Yeah. It's one thing after you out the game, but then you end the game and then you accusing me of cheating, so you throwing off. And so to me it's like if she had the opportunity of coming back and because these penalties were called and threw her off, it's an advantage for Naomi and that's how she won. Mm-hmm. And that's how some people were viewing it. So to me it was like, did she genuinely win this game? Like, off the rip, whether the calls was made or not, like Shorty would have won. Or if Serena, if the calls weren't made and Serena came back, would Naomi have won? And I understand Serena's the GOAT. We all know it. she's still the GOAT because she lost. It doesn't matter. And the way she handled it make her even better GOAT because she was so graceful about it. Because, you know, when she won, Naomi won, the crowd were booing and Serena was like, no, like she was being really positive and she was like, this is her moment. But it's just that. The way the situation transpired and happened, but I was like really confused. I was like, um, did she genuinely win or was there an advantage given to her or was Serena just really just out the rip, could not have won that game regardless of the fact? Mm-hmm. So that was a, I think it was a lot going on. And it's sad because this is her win. And I hope that she doesn't let it take it away from her and tarnish it because at the end of the day, you won. It is what it is. Like, you know what I'm saying? Take your accolades and continue to play and do better you know but for me i was like i would want to see them play again Mm -hmm. with a different umpire and see what really happens because this whole situation was just like all over the place so allegedly the umpires may boycott serena williams matches going forward which is an unheard tactic in in tennis oh they about that life yeah it's Mm. crazy they're not playing games (laughs) (laughs) maybe ramos could lead the pack shout out to ramos (laughs) That's crazy. (laughs) So the umpires also have been considering unionizing. So this incident is just adding fuel to the fire. And according to The Guardian and Washington Post, umpires felt voiceless in the controversy and Ramos was hung out to dry. The real concerning issue is that the International Tennis Federation, a.k.a. the World Tennis's governing body, they took 48 hours after the match to defend Ramos, and umpires were bothered that the defense didn't happen immediately. But the Women's Tennis Association sided with Serena, stating she wasn't treated the same as her male counterpart. But of course. And other tennis players have come to Serena's defense. So James Blake tweeted, I will admit that I have said worse and not gotten penalized. And I've also been given a soft warning by the umpire where they tell you to knock it off or I will have to give you a violation. He should have at least given her that courtesy. Sad to mar a well-played final that way. John McEnroe said, I've said far worse. She's right about the guys being held to a different standard. There's no question. 
and Margaret Court, who is a 24-time Australian Grand Slam winner, stated, we always had to go by the rules. So she definitely had people coming to her fence. So this is definitely a very polarizing like situation. And I, I, it's funny, I came into work and one of my coworkers was just talking about it that morning. And I'm like, oh, this... I didn't hear about this, and then it just was all over the place. It was all over the place. It is polarizing because, like, the empires, they feel as if they're voiceless, they're not getting proper representation and having someone in a corner to speak on their behalf. But then again, on the flip side, it's like, you're charging me for stuff that you wouldn't charge a male. Mm. And the fact that it's been ongoing, because this is not something that just happened. And then on top of that, to add extra layers to it, is that Serena Williams is a black woman. Mm -hmm. You know, there's not a lot of black women in tennis. And so she is, like, literally the GOAT, you know, in this arena. And the fact that she has to go through some of these things. So it's a matter of not solely being a gender aspect, but also race relations, like, and how those interconnect connect intersect in terms of how she's being treated on a field so it's funny how they felt voiceless but you were like shonda rhymes tweeted that the guy the um ramos was actually baiting her throughout the game like so it's it's funny how you felt like you're voiceless subsequent the fact but during the whole situation you had a, a substantial amount of power power that you were utilizing and you were putting her in this um compromising position so that's very interesting to say the least Um, Another aspect of this is a cartoonist named Mark Knight created a cartoon that depicted Serena in a negative light. To start off, we did not want to post the picture, the cartoon on our social media because it was just a very negative representation of her and it was going viral. And we just made a decision that that's not something that we want to post. Oftentimes we post things that are controversial on our page just to get people to talk and have conversation. But that was just something I was like, yeah, that's not going to be posted because it's not a positive representation of who she is. And I'm going to get into the portrayal of how it is. So she is viewed as like a big child, like an angry child that is jumping up on the field and look very masculine. And only feminine aspect of it is her dress and her hair. So it was like, it's the way that she was portrayed in the cartoon. It was already a problem within itself as in terms of how he tried to dehumanize her and how she is and basically belittling her actions as being a child, as if she didn't work hard for this and as if the calls were not, um, were not biased to some aspects. So that's how she's like, her, she's portrayed in it. And then Naomi, which people tend are confused by this girl's race. She black. <laughs> the girl is black. She's Japanese and Haitian, to be more specific. Hey, <laughs> all right. I mean, she could be Jamaican, but it's all right. We're going to let you have the Haitian side I, of you, I, girl. I, I low-key, when I first heard about the situation, I'm like, Serena? I was tight. But, but then, then when, when you I thought I showed you was Haitian, Haitian. <laughs> I was like, oh, it's the Haitian girl? Oh, damn. <laughs> Do it for the culture. Oh, the word. I was like, eh, sapasis on me. You ain't shit. Naomi, holla at me. <laughs> He's dead serious. For real. <laughs> in a prime right now. Slide on her DMs, Coach Pete. Seriously. <laughs> Drop some gems. <laughs> Something else. <laughs> Back to the show. Um, No. But the thing is, in, in even with those interviews, with talking about her and her race, a lot of these journalists or reporters are like, act like she's only Japanese. She has to reiterate to them, I am Haitian as well. The girl is black. So let's just put that out there. In the cartoon, she is portrayed as a white girl with blonde hair. And then she's telling the umpire, can you just let her win? Like, it's like, are you serious? So they the, violated. Yo, they violated her. This dude went ham for no reason. And it was like, it was a very controversial cartoonist. And back to this whole thing being polarizing. So he put it out. Some people think it's racist, it's sexist, misogynistic. All the isms and is out there. And other people were just like, this is not racist. It's an accurate portrayal of how she was acting. She was acting like a child. And I was like, if she was a white man in this situation, would y'all be saying the same thing? If she was a white man playing another man, on matter of fact, a black man, and the umpire was calling out the white man as much, like baiting him the whole time, and he was complaining, would, would it have the same reaction and the same level of sympathy or anything to that regard? Like, I just don't even understand it. So... Back to the point of it being polarizing. It's so interesting how this cartoon came out. And to me, it was just, like, evident. Like, I was like, he's literally going really ham. This, to me, screams racism, sexism in every aspect just by viewing it. And the fact that 
of course, he said he doesn't view it as such, and other people don't. So I just find that to be really interesting. Even the Herald Sun went as far to tweet, race-obsessed commentators see issue with Mark Knight's Serena Williams cartoon. And it's like because people feel like they view it in certain aspects, now they, they're race-obsessed. Like, it's like, really, that, that's where we at with it right now? Like, that's very interesting. So I was like, wow. Like, so go back to your point. It is polarizing that people think that, she wasn't treated unfairly and now this portrayal this negative portrayal of her and people just like i don't think it's negative so like i said we didn't want to post it and we're not going to post it we love serena williams and naomi out here and i just want to see positive representation of our black woman and i was like i'm not going to post that and make it viral because that really goes against who she is and what she stands for yeah what was your initial reaction to serena losing the game so my initial reaction when she lost i'm like damn that sucks she's the goat but then my bias came in when I found out that she was actually playing Naomi, who is Haitian Japanese citizen. I was like, oh, my 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 nationalist pride came in Boy, a bye. little bit. Boy, bye. But um, I definitely I grew up playing sports, and I I understand sometimes things happen, and it just gets you off edge, and it just can mess up everything. And when you have like a referee, an umpire, who's going against you sometimes that's it's blatant and it's clear so i understood the frustration because this could have been a grand slam that serena could have won just to add to her legacy but i was also happy at the same time that naomi naomi got her first win mm-hmm. and 20 and I'm, i thought to myself like is this like a passing of the guard where it's like naomi's about to be that next person to be on the lookout for or was this really the umpires just screwing with Serena? And that's why I do want to see a rematch. If I think if, if they get a rematch, that would probably be one of the most watched tennis matches because just with social media, with everything going on right now, something like this just can blow up so quickly. And to the point you said about the Herald saying race-obsessed, it's like before we started doing this podcast, I would have probably said the same thing. But I think you have to really be conscious and be aware of other people and their experiences that they go through. Because the person who made that comment may not know what it is to be a black woman and just deal with that and seeing that portrayal and seeing just how being a woman of color being portrayed in general throughout all types of media. So I think it is a little uncalled for to say it's race obsessed, but yeah. So that that was my initial reaction to it. No, I understand. I think you make a valid point pertaining to that. So, do you think the umpires have a, a point about feeling left out and dry and being voiceless? I personally feel like when I started seeing clips of how the men tennis players were verbally abusive to them over the years, I can understand how that gets frustrating and then it piles on. So I guess them them wanting to have a proper rep- representative to step into their place and really respond in less than 48 hours, I understand that aspect of it. But at the same time, it's like I don't think in this situation he was left out to dry. It's like he had a lot of power in the matter. I think what bothered him was the way he was being spoken to by a woman, and that's what really got him is that she called him out. You stole a point from me. And on top of you, you, you owe me an apology. And, you know, not a lot of us go around demanding apologies because I'm like, there's a list of people that need <laughs> that owes me apologies, bruh. So I would say that I don't, in the context of this match, I don't feel like he was left out to dry. I just think it was problematic that people didn't come to his defense as quickly as he wanted it to. Mm-hmm. But overall, when I saw clips of other men, um, tennis players, I can understand why they feel that way. And maybe they need to work on that. Maybe they need to instill some policies or put some stuff into play where they have proper representation that's going to come to their defense in a timely manner so they feel like they're being supported. But then also, too, there needs to be policies put in place for umpires where it's like, because you have a lot of power and control and you can dictate and mess up a game. You know what I'm saying? Like, that's not okay. You know, so, I mean, it's not like in the game of basketball, yeah, you may get called out or fouled out or whatever, your team, y'all can still come back together and make it happen. And tennis is literally one-on-one. So it's like for you to come and mess up somebody's mentality and throwing them off in a game and stealing a point, it does make a huge difference. So I think both sides need to have proper representation to come to a common ground so that these incidents don't happen again. Yeah, that's a good point. Um, What do you think will happen with the empires in these games and will the policies change or will you think they will, or will they unionize? 
I, I'm not sure if any policies will change, but I think this event really just brings light to the situation and people are just going to be really looking at it now. So they're going to be looking at men's matches and women's matches and seeing if the officiating is consistent through the different gender matches. So I think that that's probably very, very good for the game in general because it's going to just be even because now it's like you have a spotlight on this. And in terms of unionizing, I don't know if that's going to happen, but I do think it would, like you said, it would be good for that because, again, the the players have their, their perspective and so do the umpires. And just having that support on either side, is, I think it's always going to be a good thing and it's just going to up the quality of the the matches and just what's going on. Well, let me ask you since you a male. Unfortunately. So, my head. No, because <laughs> the reason why I ask and I'm being mm-hmm. a little serious right now, when you hear Serena speaking about this and having the conference, um the press conference, and as a male, seriously speaking, and you see how the clips of the men speaking to the umpire compared to what she said and her talking about this has been going on and just having women rights. We talk about women rights in general, but in an aspect of sports and now specifically tenants, how does that make you feel as a man to view this like from an objective standpoint? Like, how do you view it? Like, I always want to get a man's take outside of the scope of it. Like, and don't be politically correct because we on a podcast. You know what I'm saying? Keep it on it. Like, how do, do you think you men have a great advantage in these relations in, in terms of not only sports but across the board in terms of patriarchy? Like, y'all are able to get away with a lot more. And when a woman brings stuff to the table or to the surface, she's complaining. She's whining. She's a big child in a cartoon. Like, what is your take on that? Oh, without a doubt, that's 100% the case we're living in a patriarchal society so there's definitely double standards when it comes to the way men are treated and just the way these situations can play out um especially doing the podcast everything that's going on with the me too movement i'm really getting more present to just the experience of the i guess the what's the word the experience not the oppressed but you have to check your you have to, you have to check your privilege. Yes, exactly. You have to check yeah. your privilege, and I, I definitely, you've really brought that to light working with you on this show, and without a doubt, there's a hundred percent privilege being a male. I do think in in all situations, there's always going to be that level of privilege, one way or another. It's never going to be even. So, so um, what do you think, men like you, who understand and see it for what it is? What do you think men like you can do to like alleviate it or to create balance? Because as a woman, it's like it's so much we could do. We could protest. We could boycott. We could do press conferences. We could raise our daughters to be a better versions of who we are or to fight for women's rights. We could do all of that. We've been doing that for years. But what is it that men like you should be doing, you think, in your opinion, to be fair? You yeah. know, we have tennis players coming out speaking to it. But what's what do you think is the next step for men and what y'all could do to kind of make it? Well, I think the next step has to be just awareness. I think awareness is so important because a lot of times people don't even realize it because we're all in our own little worlds and our own little bubbles. So as a male, I didn't really realize what women were going through. I'm thinking about the issues I'm going through as a black man in America. But if you're a Muslim man or woman or Asian or white, like everyone has something that so Everyone, now you understand what black women go through. Oh, definitely. I I really see now that even at work, I have I've had women come up to me where they're great workers, and I'm like, you need to take more of a leadership role here, and they don't feel comfortable because they say that the men may not accept their direction, or they kind of talk back to them, and and now that I'm realizing that, I have to I make a conscious effort to just support and be like, listen. Your work ethic is great. You're a leader, and that's that's why you're in this position. So I'm going to definitely support you and back you up to make sure you're in that position. And I think the first thing is to be aware of it because if you're not aware of it, I don't think it's on anyone's fault. But, like, you have to just be present to how other people's realities are because everyone's living in a different reality. And I think the the real the way we're really going to create change is with the next generation, like starting with the children and letting them understand that, knowing that in any situation there's going to be somebody with privilege and you have to be present to that and be conscious of that so you can act accordingly. All right. Thank you for Coach P. I just wanted to get your take on that because um, this is a very important topic to discuss, not 
solely in the aspect of sports, but across the board, and I'm glad you brought into the um, speaking specifically about the workplace and women taking only, and that is true. Some women feel a little like intimidated taking on those roles because they may not be taken seriously. I just always like to get male takes who do are actually pro-women in these situations and want to see how they can be more responsive and act more aggressively in these matters where it's like, it shouldn't just be Serena conducting press conferences speaking about this. It should be all men coming forward and say, this is not okay. How can we how can we create certain policies and put into place so that it's fair for everybody? Um, gender roles across the board. And it shouldn't just be a conversation pertaining to this one match. It should be an ongoing conversation. Because she brought a lot to the surface that I wasn't made aware of that was going on in tennis. Am I surprised? Not at all. Because I felt like this happens in basketball too. Women basketball versus men basketball. And how they're treated differently. You know what I'm saying? Especially other sports. So I'm glad that she brought this to the surface in regards to tennis. I hope it's an ongoing conversation. And I hope that they create some kind of fairness put in place so that men and women, black or white, they feel like they're being treated accordingly when they go out of the field to play. Because at the end of the game, you're playing a game to win or lose. It's not about your demographics, not about your gender. It shouldn't be about any of that. It should be about you coming out to play with the intent of winning fairly. Nice. Now we're going to be switching gears. So many people are still reeling from the election of Cheeto Hitler, a.k.a. <laughs> Donald Trump, in the 2016 presidential election, Ciao. which for me was a huge surprise. Like, I woke up the next morning like, wait, what? You, this, is, I'm not, this is April 1st. I'm not, like, getting pranked right now. But to others, they there was no surprise there. Because they voted for his ass. <laughs> <laughs> Shit. But since, since that November 2016, Trump's presidency has been a circus from fights with the media, cover-ups, fake facts, internal bickering, and scandal after scandal. But none has been bigger than the investigation by special counsel Robert Mueller for his alleged Russian interference in the U.S. presidential election. <laughs> so there's a lot of information to consume when it comes to this investigation. So we're going to give you guys a brief timeline to catch you up with what has been going on to date. We are going to pick up our timeline from Season 2, Episodes 11 and 12, when we discussed the investigation when FBI Director James Comey was fired by Trump. And in addition, the Russian investigation and James um, Comey's Senate Intelligence Committee hearing. So go back and check out those episodes so that you can kind of be caught up what's going on. And we think this is very pertinent to discuss as with Trump in office. It seems like a lot of stuff is happening borderline behind the scenes a lot of it is in the media and i think it's imperative that we know and have an idea of what it's leading up to especially if it leads to him being impeached which i hope to god it happens very soon i'm just praying every day for it to happen that's fingers all i'm crossed. saying fingers <laughs> crossed won't he do it jesus so the information that we're going to be providing you with this timeline was received from abc news and politifact so on May 17, 2017, Rod Rosenstein, the deputy attorney general, appoints Robert Mueller as special counsel. Among other things, Mueller is directed to investigate any links and or coordination between the Russian government and individuals associated with Trump's presidential campaign. A note here is this appointment was made by the deputy attorney general because Attorney General Jeff Sessions had previously recused himself from the investigation. <laughs> <laughs> it's like toodles. So, and on July 27, 2017, Papadopoulos, the former <laughs> mayor, <laughs> shoot, that, that's OD. I'm sorry, I wasn't, that was not expected. <laughs> but that name wasn't expected either. Continue. Papadopoulos, former member of the Foreign Policy Advisory Team, is secretly arrested for lying to investigators about his like foreign soul. contact. It's not like Amigo Soul. <laughs> On October 5th, 2017, Papadopoulos pleads guilty to lying to the FBI about his efforts to put the Trump campaign in contact with Moscow. He enters a plea agreement with Mueller. Shit, with a name like that, he need to plead guilty. Ciao. Oh, my God. No shade, just keeping it 100. So October 30th, 2017, Paul Manafort, an American lobbyist, political consultant, and lawyer, joined Donald Trump's presidential campaign team in March 2016 and was a campaign chairman from June to August 2016. Manafort and a campaign associate, Rick Gates, surrendered to the FBI after being charged with a dozen felonies each. Like, that's 12 apiece, bruh. 
Like that's crazy, including yeah. failing to disclose lobbying activities on behalf of foreign entities, financial crimes, and making false statements. They plead not guilty to all charges. Imagine if they weren't caught. That yeah. would have been more charges. Yeah, that's crazy. Twelve. So on November second, twenty seventeen, Carter Page, an American petroleum industry consultant and a former foreign policy advisor to Donald Trump during his twenty sixteen campaign, tells the House Intelligence Committee he had notified Jeff Sessions about contacts he made with Kremlin officials during his July twenty sixteen Russian trip. This contradicts Sessions' previous denials. I was getting caught in something. Um, November 30th, 2017, Michael Flynn, former national security advisor to Trump, pleads guilty to lying to the FBI about his discussions with the Russian ambassador during a presidential transition and enters a plea agreement with Mueller. Um, in February 16, 2018, Mueller in, indicts 13 Russian nationals in three Russian companies for exploiting social media to spread fake news promote discord in the United States and engage in what they call information warfare. February 24th, 2018, a new superseding indictment is filed against Manafort, alleging he secretly retained a group of former senior European politicians to take positions favorable to Ukraine, including by lobbying in the United States. April 9, 2018, the FBI raids the offices of Trump's longtime lawyer and fixer, Michael Cohen, the case is referred to the U.S. Attorney's Office in the Southern District of New York. June 8, 2018, Mueller adds an obstruction charge against Manafort and indicts his business partner, Constantine Kilimanic. Mm. Mueller's okay. putting in that work. He's just, <laughs> he's just snatching bodies off the street left and right. Yo, left and right. He ain't snatched no Shaniqua though. <laughs> <laughs> I'm teasing. July 13, 2018, the special counsel indicts 12 Russian intelligence officers for their role in hacking of the Democratic National Committee, the Democratic Congressional Campaign Committee, and the Clinton campaign, and leaking of emails and documents. July 16, 2018, in a joint press conference with Russian President Vladimir Putin, Trump appeared to accept Putin's denial of Russian election interference the following day. Trump claimed he misspoke. Now he misspoke. Yo, this is crazy. Yeah, that was so for us. Yes. He said, so, I, I, I forgot a I word. Forgot, I forgot like a couple words, bro. July 27, 2018, Trump denied CNN report that he knew in advance about the June 9, 2016 Trump Tower meeting. The report was based on an unnamed source who said former Trump attorney Michael Cohen is willing to confirm Trump's foreknowledge of the meeting to the special counsel in response. Trump tweeted, because of course Twitter needs to know everything. Mm -hmm. I did not know of the meeting with my son, um, Donald Jr. Sounds to me like someone is trying to make up stories in order to get himself out of an unrelated jam taxi cabs maybe you know this is a shade because this dude always throw shade palm trees everywhere on twitter with this dude and then he says so he said that because it was an apparent reference to cohen's role managing taxi company see this dude is mad shady son that's, and petty as fuck od <laughs> august 1st 2018 trump calls on his attorney general to end the mueller probe by Surprise, surprise. Tweeting. Tweeting. This is a terrible situation. And Attorney General Jeff Sessions should stop this rigged witch hunt right now before it continues to stain our country any further. It ain't staining our country. It's staining your character, bro. Literally. Our country ain't got nothing to do with your ass. Facts. <laughs> I love how he just, he, he's so smart. I hate him, but he's so smart how he just manipulates the whole he situation. He's definitely trying to manipulate, <laughs> talking about now his country nationalism. He's going to be yeah. talking about kneeling next. You better go sit down. You're disrespecting the flag with this investigation. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> August 21st, 2018, Trump's one-time campaign chairman, Paul Manafort, was convicted of eight <laughs> out of 18 felony counts. Yo, why they join be plural, though, son? There's no single accounts. Yeah. It's just be like several of them shits. Racking it up. A jury found Manafort guilty on five tax fraud charges, one charge of hiding foreign bank accounts, and two counts bank fraud. A mistrial was declared for the other 10 charges. And on September 7th, George Papadopoulos was sentenced. <laughs> <laughs> He was sentenced to 14 days in jail and a year of supervised release after pleading guilty to lying to the FBI. How the hell you only get two weeks, bro? They need to give him longer than that. Facts, two weeks. They be giving them little... They should little... be giving two weeks to, to marijuana charges. Facts. They be... they be handling these dudes with care. Like, I felonies, plurals. Like, I don't understand what's happening right now. This is just... 
I mean, it's just just to take a moment. Like since this man been in office, it's like every month is something going on. Like this timeline is pretty crazy, and it's all jokes aside. This is where we are at as a country. Like this is really sad because like say whatever you want about Obama. His cabinet was never this corrupt. Like, it's just like every time you turn around, somebody getting fired, somebody getting locked up, indicted. It's like how many things are going to happen before people start saying, okay, this is not normal. Uh. You know what I'm saying? Like, this is not okay. I don't. And I'm just like, you know, special shout out to the people who said, let's see how he is as a president. He ain't going to be so bad. Look at this timeline, bro. Like, he ain't looking so good. Like, out of everyone in his whole crew, they're all shady, all have this stuff going on, and it's like... And he doesn't take accountability, at least on his behalf. Like, say, okay, I played a part, something. He does not take accountability for a damn thing. Literally all the apples in this basket are looking rotten, so Trump can't be the only one who just happens to be all spotless and clean. So I'm, I'm hoping... Like, Mueller's been making a lot of progress and moving forward, but I'm hoping that this investigation is going to get to the top soon because he's just taking out all the little henchmen, but we need that big fish. Facts. But I don't know what the next big fish going to be. Something a little concerned. Can't be Pence. <laughs> he ain't normal either. He got problems, bruh. I don't like the way he be staring at people. <laughs> don't be serious. It's a little abnormal. So did you think the investigation would take this long? There have been multiple indictments and guilty pleas. But the big catch, aka Trump, is still out there. I didn't. I didn't think it was going to be this long. And now that it has been going on for a few years now, it's like, damn, when is this going to be over? After he's out of office. But I understand that they're being very thorough, and he's clearly doing a great job because he's just, like I said, knocking them down one by one. And I think that's probably the best way to go, especially when it comes to. These legal cases, you really want to yeah. make sure you're crossing your T's, dotting your I's, and just there's you want to leave every stone unturned. So I definitely appreciate the the thoroughness, and I'm just hoping we get some good news soon. So with all these recent developments, do you think it's a matter of time before Trump gets impeached or prosecuted? I mean, honestly, I would love to see him get impeached. I feel like it would definitely set the bar and set the tone of us holding people like him accountable for his actions but then again i wouldn't be surprised if he's not i feel like he's gonna find a way to finesse his way out of it you he know like teflon don i mean and, out and you got to keep in mind his privileges play he's a white man he got a lot of money outside the scope of him being a president and he knows a lot of people so i wouldn't be surprised if i wouldn't be surprised if he knows some things on other people that they don't want to put out there so they're gonna play they're gonna act accordingly like this this like outbeat scandal show by far <laughs> like yo like i can't Shonda Rhimes couldn't even come up with half of this, like, material. <laughs> this is just crazy to me. So, honestly, I would love to see him get impeached. I mean, they did it to Bill Clinton for getting head. Might as well they do it for him. But I get it in the context of Bill Clinton for lying or whatever the case may be. But Trump's been lying before he got into presidency. Now he's in office, and he's going to continue to lie after the fact. So, to me, I really want to see it happen. I want to be. I want to see that we set... A precedent we yeah. you know we make something in the sense that it's like you're going to be held accountable and you need to be i would like to see him be prosecuted as well but i doubt it's going to go that far but we'll see how it pans out but i want to see better results I, I appreciate him for catching like you said all the little fish and all the other people who are a part of this but let's let's get it to the point where he's be held accountable he's being impeached and then we put someone else in office who's actually credible and who's more deserving of being in in it but then again like i said it's a concern the fact that if he does get impeached who's going to be put in line you know so yeah what do you think the likelihood is that trump completes the first term and if he does do you think he can be reelected um i think he's definitely going to finish out his term at this point i'm i've just accepted it i don't <laughs> see him getting impeached and if he does i don't see it happening before the term is over i would be shocked i would be shocked if he's reelected especially with new voters coming in now for the 20 for for the next election and if he is reelected and people don't come out to to voice their opinions that's just going to say so much about where we are at this country. So, But then again, it's, I mean, the re-election aspect of it, too, because now we find out that Russians had an involvement in our voting. That's the thing. People keep saying, like, we need to come out and vote. I feel like people, I'm not saying everybody does. People don't vote. 
But at the same time, if people are coming out in droves and voting and then you have them tampering our database, like that has a huge effect on it as well, whether people vote or not. So my concern is how are they going to protect voting like where we can go and vote and it's our systems are not going to be tampered with at all like who's working on that is what is that a special part of the fbi like y'all got a little project going on where it's like yo we need to figure out a way where no one could like infiltrate or try to affect our voting in any capacity because if russians could get to it i'm sure any other country can affect it as well it's not just them so that's really my concerning factor people coming out of vote I do feel like people will, but then again, I can understand if they don't because of this, because it's just going to be like, what's the point of voting if people are going to tamper with our database and really make it into something that it's not? Right. So I can see that aspect of it, but like, I guess if they came out and they say something prior to, like, listen, we have the issue covered, no one can tamper with our systems, everybody needs to go out and initiate and vote. I think that would be great. Yeah. So we will be following this investigation and see how far it goes. So make sure you listen to our future episodes as we do dissect it and get into it. And kind of hopefully we'll have a better conclusion. So now we're going to be switching gears. Coach P going to be dropping his wonderful gems. <laughs> thank you, thank you, thank you. Uh-huh. So in this segment of Coach P dropping gems, I want to give you guys a brief update on my fitness journey and where I'm at right now. So on August 13th, I actually posted a, a before picture of where I was currently fitness-wise. And I did it because I just want to be an example for people to really show them what's possible when you really put the work in towards your goal. And just being the best version of myself fitness-wise is, is my goal right now. And I felt very self-conscious about taking the photos because I didn't want to be judged and criticized, but I also wanted to use it as motivation because I know there are so many other people who are dealing with the same emotions and feelings. And with that being said, it has been a roller coaster ride the past month or so, and I look forward to posting my next update, which will be coming out next week. And that's what I want to discuss today, the two pillars that have been a part of this journey for me, which have been weightlifting and juicing or drinking smoothies. So I'm going to start off with the weightlifting, which I love to do. And just to be clear, weightlifting is not the only form of exercise. Yes, you can walk, you can dance, you can play sports, but... You can twerk. <laughs> definitely. Twerking is really good. Shaking that ass is proved to make you happy and smile. <laughs> and make PF smile, too. Hot um, but the benefits of weightlifting are endless, and I'm going to give you four of my favorites. So number one, when you weightlift, you lose body fat. Weight training builds muscle. As lean muscle increases, so does your metabolism. A higher metabolism means that you'll burn more calories all day long, and studies have found that, on average, women who strength train two to three times a week for two months will gain nearly two pounds of muscle and lose 3.5 pounds of fat. So for each pound of muscle you gain, you'll burn 35 to 50 more calories a day. So that can really add up over the long term. I personally do not care for weighing myself because I think it could be really deceiving because muscle just weighs more than fat. So the scale could say one thing. And I, for me personally, I like to look at my body, see how I look, see how my clothes fit. Because as you're gaining more muscle, your weight will be going up, but the fat starts keep burning and coming off. So it's really, for me personally, I always tell people, just ditch the scale. So the second benefit is decreased risk of osteoporosis. So when you're strength training and you're lifting weight, not only are you building muscles, but you're also strengthening your bones. And I know that's something a lot of people deal with and it's a hereditary issue so you don't have to really suffer and deal with that just because it's happened in your family in the past so if you implement a weight training program and just taking your time with it you can definitely build that muscle strength build that bone strength and which is going to help you down the line in the long term so you could just have more vitality and just be able to just go through life and being able to move and just feeling good and feeling strong so that's definitely a very, very beneficial point of weightlifting. So number three is burning more calories. So with our muscles, they're literally the fat-burning tools in our body. So as you start to build more muscle and as it starts to grow, your body's going to be burning more fat. And a lot of people notice that when they're working out, like they just start getting hungrier and hungrier because their metabolism is increasing and their body, to keep the muscles and to maintain it, it literally just starts scooping up fat. So I always tell people, listen, if you want to lose weight, start adopting weightlifting because you're going to get heavier, but your body, you, 
your body's going to start getting rid of the fat as you get more muscle because that's literally what it does. And that's why I think it's so important to understand how the body works so that you can take the appropriate actions and then you're going to get those results that you're looking for. That's interesting you say that because for me, I thought that the quickest way to burn more calories is I'm a runner. I love to run. Mm-hmm. Um I primarily run like on treadmill inside, but like I do enjoy running. And I and I thought that when you run, it because I've noticed that it sheds a lot of the weight off, which mm-hmm. I think it's. I love running because it's the quickest and easiest way to shed weight. Yeah. So the fact that you're mentioning this other aspect of it, I think it's important as well. So that's something I will consider for the future. Yeah, definitely running and like a lot of cardio will definitely get rid of the fat. But the thing with that, if you actually stop and you're not really consistent with it anymore, because you're running and you're burning a lot of muscle and getting rid of a lot of fat, once you stop, your body will be able to pick it up a lot quicker because you don't have as much muscle density to burn the fat. But when you start building more muscle, that's just naturally all day long is going to constantly be burning fat on a regular basis. So even if you take time off, your body just naturally has more fat-burning tools, which, again, is the muscle. And so my fourth benefit is the enhanced mood and the reduce in, in stress. Because That's when twerking comes into play, people. <laughs> Facts. Twerk all day, okay? Drip, drip. So, <laughs> so when you're weightlifting and twerking, <laughs> your body's just re- releasing these endorphins, and it just makes you feel so good. And a lot of times people get this high. That's like my favorite word, endorphins. Yay. Yeah, say it again. It's like a natural high, endorphins. Ooh. Zaddy. Mm. Mm. Back to the show. Whoa. <laughs> I was a little too much. This is, this is a family show. <laughs> um, but, yeah, that's why for me personally, I love going to the gym in the morning. I'm. It's like night and day. If I'm going into the office, after I've lifted and after I've worked out, I feel accomplished. I feel good. I, like, walk. I actually was training my roommate the other day, and we were getting brunch after the workout. And I'm just watching him walk. And I'm like, bro, you're peacocking really hard right now. He's like, oh, I didn't even realize it. I'm like, I got excited because I'm like, that's the endorphins. What the hell is peacocking? Oh, peacocking is when you're just like, you know, like a peacock opens up its tail and gets all like the colors and it's so big. So peacocking is when you're kind of just like, you got your chest out, you're just looking confident, you're strong, and you're just like, yo. Oh, you do that on the regular. Yeah, so. All right, I learned something new. Yeah, so he was definitely peacocking with the walk, chest out, arms open, like he was just looking too cool. So I'm like, and I I pointed it out to him, like that's, a direct result of you lifting, you getting those endorphins pumping, and you just feel good. So definitely, if you want a stress release, weightlifting is a powerful tool. And I just want to point out the fact, a lot of women I know are self-conscious about weightlifting because they feel that they're going to put on too much muscle, they're going to look too bulky. So men and women are different biologically where men have way more testosterone. So we naturally will build muscle faster and bigger muscles. So you definitely don't have to worry about that. So as a woman, you will get the same benefits that I just listed. And if that's not enough, weightlifting just makes you look sexy when you're naked. And who doesn't want to look sexy when they look in the mirror and feel good about themselves? So definitely adopt that weightlifting regime. So I'm going to give you guys some tips to start actually implementing a weightlifting regime if that's something you're interested in doing. So the first thing I would say is to start slow. Your fitness is a journey, so you don't have to rush it. When it comes to weightlifting, the benefits are undeniable, but if you bite off more than you can chew, you risk injuring yourself. So start off slow with lower weights and just gradually ease your way up. Number two, Form is everything. When it comes to weightlifting, you want to take your time and not rush the movements and really focus on activating the muscle group that you're working on. You really don't want to overexert yourself. So you, when you're starting a weightlifting regime, just really focus on form, squeeze, and like really try to get that mind-body connection. You want to really be focusing on that body part that you're working because that's really going to just get it activated. And it's, it's such a powerful thing that... We could probably get into that into a whole nother episode, that mind-body connection. (laughs) That's fine. Um, Number three, allow yourself time to recover. Even though this is the biggest challenge for me when it comes to training, resting and recovery is crucial. When you're lifting, you you tear your muscles. So your body has to actually repair those muscles, and that's why... I tell people your workout's not complete until you go home and get sleep because during the gym, you're lifting, you're tearing it, but then at nighttime, that's where you're going to get all the growth. That's where literally all the results come from. So they come hand in hand. You can't be lifting and not getting rest or any form of exercise. 
Like sleep is very important and it will take anything that you're doing, whether it's weightlifting, studying, whatever you're trying to do, your sleep is so crucial because that's where all of our growth comes from. Lastly, always stretch. Stretching is so crucial because when you're weightlifting and you're tearing your muscles and they're healing and they come back stronger, the muscle fibers get shorter. That's why you'll see these really big, huge, brocky dudes who can't turn around to wipe their butt. And it's like, <laughs> <laughs> it, it is because their muscle fibers are so big, but they're short. So by stretching, you're just elongating it and just getting that flexibility back. And your muscles, I, I, my, my teacher in high school, he described it so perfectly, are like spaghetti. When they're cold and hard and short, they can crack really easily and break and that's how you get injured but when they're warm and they're long and they're flexible like you can't really break it. it's like when you boil spaghetti it's like flexible and it can move and you can't just snap it like yeah. when you just get it out of the box so that's why stretching is very important to prevent injury keep that flexibility and then that way you'll get your gains but you'll be able to wipe your butt so <laughs> <laughs> um yeah definitely Weightlifting, again, I've, I'm a very big proponent, and if you guys are interested, definitely slide into the DMs, reach out. If you have questions, we'd love to just share, help out, and definitely want everyone just to be out there just putting in the work. Be the best version of yourself, and yeah. This is a get fact. It. So now we're going to get into the second pillar where you talk about juicing, which I'm really excited about because I like to juice, <laughs> and it tastes so good, and it's healthy. Yeah, definitely. One of the, the number one benefit when it comes to juicing is 95% of all the vitamins and enzymes that our body needs comes from juices of raw fruits and veggies. So imagine, like, being able to just get, like, a super power pack of nutrition and energy and vitality in a drink, a 16-ounce drink that you can just take it down and just ready to go. And that's the beauty of juicing. You really can just get a variety of fruits and veggies into one drink and, again, get that. It's like a shot of all the good, all the good that your body needs, and your body will react accordingly. Number two, it's a hard-earned break for your body. All the vitamins, minerals, and enzymes are really immediately absorbed into your body when you're juicing, and it just goes right into your bloodstream, right to the places that you need it. And our body, it takes about 60% of that energy that we have to change food into us, like to take that slice of pizza and to turn it into Key and Coach P. Mm -hmm. So when you're drinking these juices... It's a hell of a slice, honey. <laughs> yes. So when you're drinking these juices, it, it just... It allows your body to not have to do all that work to just break down these solids and turn them into our cells. It just goes right into your body, right into your bloodstream, right where it needs to go. And because you're not using all of that energy, you have more mental clarity. You have more energy to do other things. You have more f sharpness, focus. Like it's 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 great. Like <laughs> I feel I feel really good because I've been juicing for about the past two weeks. And I'm really starting to see the results. Like, I actually lifted up my shirt the other day to show my brother. I'm like, oh, shoot. I can see a little packs coming in. Like Packs are coming in, ladies. You know three, what time it is. And if y'all been following the IG stories, he's been posting it. So y'all can slide in our DMs real quick. You already know. Yeah, it feels really good. And it's it, it gives you that motivation. So number three is juicing is allows your body to detox. Juices are generally alkaline in nature, which draws out the acidity in your body. And just to give you guys like a, a quick and dirty explanation, your body can either be mm -hmm. in two levels. I don't like when it's dirty. I don't <laughs> oh, know about it being oh quick, though. Oh, my God. <laughs> Zaddy. Oh, my God. I can't deal with that. <laughs> you know you like this, I, honey. I do. I do. I got give an image. Give me you I got, like. I got an image to, to uphold. <laughs> you're so You're going to bring out the ratchet in me. <laughs> um... So your body can either be alkaline or acidic. And when you think about it, like an alkaline battery, when it's really alkaline, the battery is fully charged and it's working efficiently. But when too much acid builds up, that's when you see those batteries burst and that, that like gook. You ever seen that, the gook in the battery that's been used for too long? I haven't been paying attention to batteries to know that. But okay. okay. But basically that happens because too much acid builds up. Okay. So when you're eating fruits and vegetables, you're keeping your body, it's like keeping it in the green. And when your body has too much acid in it from eating lots of meat or foods that cause acidity, like a lot more carbs, because there's so much acid in your blood, you're going to hold on to fat because your fat protects your organs and it protects your joints. So 
But real quick, though, this is going to be quick and dirty mm-hmm. <laughs> since we on a topic. But the thing is, if you do a lot, a large intake of fruits, though, like certain types of fruits, that's a lot of sugar content, so, which ties into diabetes. So, so that, what, what, what are we doing? That's the thing. Humans, we're expected, our bodies expect fruits and vegetables because they're living. Like a Twinkie, a Snicker bar, that thing will live forever because it's it's not natural. Yeah. But like a banana, an orange, an apple, these do have natural occurring sugars in them, but it also has a lot of vitamins and minerals as well, which your body craves and needs. So a lot of times people don't realize when you're eating lots of carbs, that turns into just sugar into your body. And the high carb intake in our society is what really promotes this diabetes and a lot of these diseases that we're going through. Not necessarily people eating fruits and vegetables. No, it's not a matter of eating. I don't don't want to put that out there in terms of eating fruits and vegetables, but it's just a matter of there are certain types of fruit, like a large intake if you take too much of it, especially some of these fruits. But I'm glad to your point. I brought that up because... Sometimes those could be ignorant commentations made pertaining to fruits about eating a large content, especially if the fruits is really like sweet. So if you have a large intake of it, but it's natural sugar. So I'm glad that you were able to break it down for our listeners to understand the difference and that the intake is actually good for you. It's not bad and it's not going to lead to um, in cases of diabetes unless you intake all those other aspects of it, too. But it's also a matter of having balance. Right. So I think that's very. And the reason why I thought about it more so is because I used to drink naked mm-hmm. those drinks and they're not loaded good because it's loaded with sugar, yeah. but it's not natural sugar. Right. So sometimes so, you'll see on the labels that they say added sugar. Yeah. So a lot of times they added these, a lot of them joints. Right. But it was good, though. It is. It was good. And I love that you made that point. I was actually talking to my brother about this to help him just start incorporating more juicing into his diet and drinking more smoothies. I told him, try to do anywhere from two to three vegetables and then fruit. That way you're getting more of those veggies because the oh, veggies okay. are so good And then mix them with the natural sugar. Exactly. Thank you. So that that's I'm glad you pointed that out. And for me personally, like right now, that's why bananas are like the staple when it comes to smoothies I for people. Bananas. I bet you do. <laughs> <laughs> but, <laughs> good practice. But um <laughs> and it's, it's You be, ain't shit. That's what you ain't. <laughs> you brought it out of me. I'm sorry. I'm bringing it back. It's a family show. <laughs> Um, so bananas are like the staple in smoothies in our society because they're so high in sugar. That's why I like to opt for, I like putting in blueberries, raspberries, because they, they switch it up. Right. They do have sugar in them, but you also get those antioxidants and those different, those different vitamins and minerals that your body really needs. But again, definitely try to put anywhere from two to three vegetables and then for every two to three vegetables, then you could add a fruit if you're making juices or smoothies. Cool. But what, what I was saying before was when you have more acid in your body, your body's going to hold on to the fat because it needs to protect itself from the acid. It doesn't want the acid going to your lungs, your joints. But when you're putting more fruits and vegetables and you're getting more alkaline like that in that green state, your body doesn't have to hold on to fat because it's a safer environment for your joints and your organs so it can just shed it and get rid of it. Okay. Which is what I'm kind of going through right now. And it feels great. And the last benefit of the juicing that I really want to point out is how it just transforms your outlook on food. When you're juicing, you really notice a dramatic all-around improvement in your health and well-being. But if you're keeping it up and you're being consistent, your palate naturally would just start to change. And you start to crave things that are more good for you. So last night I had a burger. I told you we went out last night and I had a burger. And the next morning I was like, ugh, I felt like I felt it hit me. And it's because I've just been putting a lot of this good stuff in my body and I'm craving it. So this morning I hit you up like, yo, I'm about to get a green juice. Do you want one? Because my body's just naturally screaming out for it because it's getting in that good. And and as humans, our bodies will definitely adjust to whatever situation it's in. So when you're putting in the good stuff, your body's going to crave it and it's going to it's going to shy away from the stuff that it knows isn't as good for you. But when you're used to like a, a bad diet, if you're eating like a lot of fast food, stuff like that you get used to it and it just becomes acceptable for your body and it deals with it. So I love the fact that now that I'm drinking more fruit, vegetables and doing that, like I'm naturally just craving the the good stuff. Like, ugh. Sweet. That's yeah. what's up. Yeah. So I definitely look forward to posting my post to show you guys my progress in this journey. And again, if you have any questions, feel free to reach out, slide into the DM, send us an email, whatever. 
Thank you, Coach P, for dropping them gems. I think that's very important that we know about weight loss in terms of lifting weights. And also, too, like juicing is very important. So I'm glad that you were able to give some really great tips and insight into that. And for those who are starting their fitness journey, definitely follow um, Coach P on our Instagram page. He puts a lot of updates in our IG story, which I think is very motivating to start off your day. And just I think if you could follow him and get some great ideas of how you want to go about losing weight. If you can't afford a trader, it's fine. You could start out small and don't think that you have to do everything all at once you know so it's a marathon it's not a sprint Mm -hmm. so definitely take your time throughout this whole transition but thank you for dropping these wonderful gems and i hope y'all take it into consideration and let us know how it goes yes sir so once again thank you guys for tuning in if you haven't done so already make sure you head over to the itunes store for apple users and the tune store for android users to purchase our ringtone which you hear playing in the background all silky smooth uh 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 yeah daddy (laughs) by searching unapologetically different you can also interact with us on our social media our instagram and twitter handle is unapologetic d underscore and you can find us on facebook by searching unapologetically different lastly find our episodes on itunes soundcloud and stitcher by searching unapologetically different stay tuned for our next episode bye